we've been meaning to do more movie reviews and we can't ever seem to meet up to video them and then when we do video them it takes ages to edit them and we just realized that we live in such a modern age and such a fast world that maybe we could just podcast them just as simple as that and we can even just audio like call each other which is you know something i I didn't think you'd ever be able to do to be honest (laughs) well you know that old adage of the an old dog can learn new tricks and all that. Oh, oh! Speaking of um, old dog, new tricks. That's the first. That's the first catchphrase. Um, what's the word saying that I've heard you get right in a while? On your on your podcast, what did you say? Oh, he said. Uh, so Gaz has a as a. If you listen to Gaz on previous podcasts, he has a knack for completely mixing up um, sayings. You said on your podcast that you sent to me. Now, here's another one that's in the old pipe works. <laughs> that's one of my classics, that, the pipe works. <laughs> the pipe works. I say it every time. That, I think, is legitimately true, though. Oh, God. So, I'm, I'm, I'm having that one. That's, that's Gary McLaughlin copyright, or Gaz Masters <laughs> copyright, I should say, because no one right. knows that one is. <laughs> That's because oh. I didn't start in work today, that. I'm calling myself by my actual name. Oh, did you? I did, yeah. Uh, well, what, what we're, what we're going to talk about is Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. Yes, we are. Um, and what I'm going to do here is I'm going to put in that really awesome intro that they did. Were you in the cinema, obviously, from the very beginning? You didn't, like, run in last minute, like... No. No. So you heard that, the awesome, like, guitar, lead... It was a nice little, like... Because already, I think most people in there were going, like, oh, it's going to be cheesy, but, you know... But that is the right amount of cheese in it. It's just, <laughs> it's just perfect. I want all Fox things to just start with that from now on. Yeah, just from then on, I was quite happy for it to be. I, I was somewhere between, like, I liked that, but afterwards I did think it was mad that they didn't go with, like, you know, loads of Freddie Mercury vocals doing it instead of, like, oh, oh, no. you know, like, fucking, you know, like, yeah, 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 like that. That would have been too much, man. It was perfect the way it was. Good old Brian. Oh, well... I mean, initial initial thoughts and reactions. What was what? How did you feel about the film? Oh, I loved it, me. I, I thought it was a good like two hours of fun, really. Uh, so I don't think it was perfect by any stretch, but I, you know, as music biopics go, I thought it was a pretty decent one. I mean, the music's obviously going to keep you kind of pumped all the way through it, um, and I think there were certain bits that. I thought were really, really good. And then some that I kind of lost a little bit along the way. But, um, yeah, no, really, really enjoyed it. I mean, I I feel like we're on the total same page here. 
I think, but maybe I'm leaning more into it because uh, I definitely did think there was bits that weren't perfect. Mm. There was things that I was going, oh, I don't know if I'd have had that. But yet, as the days have crept on since I've watched it, I can't stop can't stop thinking about it, man. Like I can't stop playing Queen for a kickoff. So like the first thing I did when I got in after a night out the other day was basically put all of my Queen vinyls on. <laughs> so, you know that's got to be a testament to the film, but obviously I think that's more of a testament to the music of the band that the yes. film's about than the actual film itself. But obviously, as soon as we got out of the cinema, essentially you kind of just go, "Well, I want to listen to Queen now." <laughs> Yeah, 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 no, well... Surely think... the purpose of these things a lot of the time is to kind of make it so that you see how legendary they are, especially Freddie, I mean, you know, I mean, it's more... This is the only thing I thought was, was strange. I mean, it is obviously a Queen thing, but it was much more focused on Freddie than I think the others. Oh, well, this, well, now, this is an interesting thing, because I, I did... I did midway through the first act go well it seems to be kind of rushing through the whole queenscape here and Mm. and and not stopping off much along the way but i think it then it became very apparent from especially that just like that one bit of him playing the piano in the studio going love of my life that this was gonna be all about freddie and i actually then got okay if i take away the the pre um that, that that decision I'd already made in my head that this is a Queen film and mm. make it a Freddie Mercury film. Let's see how I feel from this point on. And I, I totally clicked with it. I think this is maybe where some people might have may feel like, oh, I thought I was watching a Queen film. But I think it's, it was much more a Freddie Mercury film. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there's no doubt there. I mean, if you think about, you you learn much more about his life and like, you know, you get like kind of, little passing moments of the others really you know you think about the the way roger um taylor's been portrayed i mean so one what at one point he was like the playboy in the band and then in the next scene he's got a wife and kids and it's like oh all right so that's happened now and it was very much about how his his relationship with the other band members rather than the other band members yeah i mean there was there was weird things like it's almost like they tried to make <laughs> it's almost like they tried to involve Queen more than they needed to. I think they should have committed more to being the Freddie Mercury movie. But like the bit where they go to that studio and it shows them going to all their rooms, it was such like a nothing okay. scene. Like Brian May just walks into his room and he's like, mm, "Bed, mm. squeaky bed," and then goes to um, fucking oh dude, what is the name of the bassist? He's the only one I can never remember. Oh, Paul. See. John Deacon. John Deacon. Yeah. Yeah. And John just going into his room going like, oh, it's a basement. And I, I just didn't see the point of that at all. Like, I, I kind of did purely on, on, on obviously, with that was a bit of a, um, because John Deacon was always the most understated member, I, I, I kind of got why they did that. They were trying to basically say, you know, Freddie was the star. And, you know, you've got to think, like, this was done in conjunction with, Roger Taylor and Brian May. It's not like they've had nothing to do with it and they're going to come out and go, what the fuck? Why have we been portrayed this way? They yeah, want Is Roger Deacon not involved? He's dead, mate. <laughs> what? When did that happen? I'm pretty sure he's dead. I don't know. Well, we should probably fact check this before Hold we put this out. I'm sure he died. I... What? Hold on. Well, didn't they just play... Didn't Queen play with... Who did they play with? 
Hold on. Let me just check. He's oh, not oh, dead. He is not dead. Unless he's not dead and he just basically said he wasn't going to play with them again. That might be the thing I'm thinking about. Because um, I'm it, on yeah. Oh, there's no death day. I've got that wrong. But yeah, effectively, musically, he is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> oh, no one bites the dust. <laughs> Lols. Uh, um, the only the other thing that I thought was odd in obviously I this is an entertainment uh, variation of a biography, isn't it? So you're not. I know it's not sometimes going to follow exactly the historical timeline, but I thought it would follow it a bit more. It seemed that, like, some of the songs they were putting in didn't really, like, kind of fit. Do you get what I mean? I don't know whether you know. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? There was a couple of songs, and I, look, I'm not going to profess to be, like, the biggest Queen fan in the world or anything, but it felt like it was in the wrong timeline. Like, to when they were playing it on stage, you know, in those bits where it just kind of had the song going and it was just kind of skimming through a little bit. Um, and well, it was, showed them going off on tour, it, the city Yeah, yeah, it was like, hang on, that came later. I'm sure it did. Now, it might just be me getting, like, albums in the wrong place, but certainly the, the one that I noticed was something like... Um, maybe, like, another one bites the dust or something. And I was thinking, hang on, that, that that's nowhere near that time bit but I don't know because you would think the band would know and they would have maybe pointed that out but I don't know whether they did it for just purely to get the music in so it was yeah, more I mean, they de- definitely showed that another one by the dust was in the mid 80s mm. um, I, don't, I, I don't know whether it was necessarily that f- song I was thinking about but there was a few where I just thought I'm, and it made Seven Seas of Rye like, sound like, like it was just literally the first song they did or something, and I was like, hang on, that's not strictly true either, is it? Uh, it was one of the early ones. It was from in the 70s. I remember, I remember watching... More of those ones than, like, I don't know. I, there was just parts of it to me that I was just a bit like, oh, I don't know. I'm, I, I might be completely wrong, but it took me out a little bit because I was thinking that came much later. Or not, not much later, but it certainly didn't add up to the fact that it was like when they first hit America, say. Well, what, I'll tell you what was like a weird um, inaccuracy, as far as I'm aware of, is that when it goes to uh, Freddie, like saying he's been offered to do a solo album and he's mm. been offered $4 million, and it's just Roger Taylor kicking off at him, going, how the fuck did, you know, how dare you do this? Mm. Um, Roger Taylor had already had a solo album by then. Yeah, well, see, this is the thing. I think there was a lot of, like, dramatic, entertainment-based leeways with this film. And don't get me wrong, I'm not going to slate it for being, like, you know, this isn't, like, a war biography. Do you get what I mean? Where, like, I obviously slated Churchill maybe, like, last year at some point and said they just got it bang wrong. Because you have to get a character like that right, I think. With one like this, it was much more for entertainment of, like, the music. So I get why they would take certain liberties to tell the story. I mean, I did. Um, I did let's go. In, let's go into those performances then. Let's go into the people like so. Like Ben Hardy was Roger Taylor. Um, I don't really know him from anything else. But the other, I mean, who, who was the others? Ben Hardy was Roger Taylor. Joseph Mazzello was John Deacon. 
Uh, Gwilym Lee was Brian May. I thought before we get into Freddie, I thought they were. It was they might as well have just had Queen. Yeah, I thought the casting was really good actually, and I thought um, that about most of the, the cast, and definitely with regards to, I think they got Roger Taylor bang on. I think they got Brian May bang on. Um, I don't know that much about John Deacon's personality to really know. <laughs> you, thought, you thought he was dead? <laughs> <laughs> that might be the case. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I, I thought they were really good, yeah. And then obviously, you know, I mean, you've got, you can't really speak about this film without Rami Malek. I thought he was outstanding. So good for that part. Did you know they actually nearly cast? Um, cast yeah. Yeah, and and do you know what though? You look at that and you think, nah, I, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I get he could have looked like him, but I don't think it. And he came out and said, oh, it wouldn't have been the film I would have wanted to have done because uh, it's something to do with like, you know, the parties that they skate around, yeah. uh, and obviously allude to the fact that there were basically like little people serving things. But Sasha Baron Cohen wanted it to be about that rather than, you know, telling the story and kind of having that as a side, like, passing thing. So that's why he apparently didn't do it. But I think it's a blessing in disguise, because I think this yeah. is much more than about Freddie and a tribute to him. And he pulled it off massively, Malek. Like, I, I think it's superb. Like, if you think about most music biopics and stuff, he really did look the part. I mean, oh, that, that Live Aid bit, Fucking hell, I was just tucked straight in me. And that's credit not just to him, but the people who put that all together and the visualisation of that concert, you may as well have thought that was literally fucking video footage. Yeah. I, I, we afterwards, like Eve said, she wanted to go watch Live Aid when we got back home. And I, I ordered some curries and when I got them, and when I came back, she had Live Aid on. Mm. And as, we, as I walked in, I actually couldn't tell whether we were watching a bit of the movie or not. It was it was scary. Tales there as well, like the Pepsi cups were the yes, old she mentioned that. Pepsi cups, and I was like, oh, that's amazing. And obviously, like, I mean, I've got like, I went to the old Wembley, and I have such an affinity with that ground. Anyway, it was so gorgeous to see them two towers again. Yeah. So it was like a little bit of like, oh, mate, it's the fucking old Wembley. This is amazing. I mean. Rami, going back to the Sasha Baron Cohen thing, one thing I heard him complain about as well was he, he said like he thought it should have been like a 15, one for like you said, having um, little people carrying drugs and all whatever, but two, he said he was disappointed the script didn't have more swearing in as Freddie was famous for having like a sailor's mouth yeah. and just being off on one. And this was something I was scared of going in because even I knew this. And I love the fact that it didn't need it. They gave him a silver tongue without him swearing. Eve walked out and I said, it's good how they only just put one fucking one shit in there. Mm. And Eve was like, no, he swallowed. So I went, go on, what did he say? And then Eve went over everything and thought, oh, you know what? Actually, he was, he was saying really vile stuff to people, but it, was, it wasn't it was swearing. It was dead yeah. clever. No, I, I thought that the tone of it, it was obviously much lighter than you would usually expect a rock band biography film to be. And, you know, yeah. they're not Motley Crue, are they? They are 
probably a bit more shiny and, you know, in the pop culture aspect of things. So I kind of knew it wasn't going to be like, oh, by the way, or everyone, you know, is going to be like doing drugs and stuff on screen. I knew that wouldn't really come up that much. And there was parts of it, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't always going to be about that. No, no. I mean, what, what do you think this film was about? And not just like, not just about Freddie Mercury. Do you think there was any underlying tones? I just felt like it made, it made me think, and this is where I'm, I'm going to get a little bit emotional here. That, um, I always, because Queen was one of my bands growing up. It was one of the first albums I remember my mum and dad would let me listen to was this Queen Greatest Hits vinyl, which was great. And I just remember mum and dad telling me all these stories about Queen, none of which are true, but I, I now know. But like one was like, oh, do you know they're all students? Students of music. They all studied music, and they are, what happens if you study really hard and you want to do something, you can do it. And what, so that was completely not true. But the other thing I was told was Freddie Mercury was like the happiest, greatest frontman ever, and everyone loved him. And when I was watching this, my heart was breaking because I realized, like, hold on, I didn't know the media completely tried to out him. And yeah. I didn't realize, like, he was this lonely. I didn't realize, like, he had this terrible relationship that he was in. And then he has a terrible, a very strained relationship with the band and this really awkward kind of fake relationship with his ex fiance. Yeah. You know, it, and it just killed me. Yeah, I think it, like, certainly the thing going into this was, obviously there was a few critics basically saying it was going to be straight washed and that yeah. was, that was, no raves. I don't understand how anyone could have got that from this. I thought it was very much, <laughs> that was out there, man. That was, you couldn't yeah. have, do you know what I mean? How much more did it need to be out? Well, I think people wanted. I think people wanted Freddie Mercury's story to go all the way to being like the end of Philadelphia. Yeah. Which Freddie and I like the fact that they say that because I also did know this a bit how our Bowie was recently. He didn't want to be a poster boy for the disease he had. He didn't want to be. He didn't want to be remembered for being the guy who died of HIV. Yeah. But, uh, he wanted to be known as the greatest singer of all time for the greatest band of all time. And he and, and I think that the movie per, perfectly encapsulates this. There's a terrible underlying story here, but he wanted to ignore it. And you should try and ignore it as well. Rem- kind of remember it, but don't focus on it. If the, When you listen to them, remember the, the nice moments. Yeah, definitely. I think it was it was a perfect like tribute in a in, in a way to him because it really did encapsulate that that was his spirit that he wanted to keep kind of go on till the end and what he would do at the end was make music and not dwell on the fact that you know we had the illness and stuff so i think that was that was fantastically done um and it was it was it was very sad to kind of watch and certainly when you kind of get the whole um the bit where they're saying they're going to play Live Aid and he basically, you know, again, I don't know how dramatic it, it was led or whether this was very historically accurate, but the way he just, like, tells the band, you know, I don't want it to be about that, but just so you know, this is happening. I'm very um, fucking Mercury. Yeah, it was a very poignant uh, moment, really, and the whole, you know, you're a legend, Fred, and, uh, you know, we're all legends kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, we'd heard that in the trailer, but I don't... I, I was... 
wondering where that would fit in the context of it all because it sounded really cheesy. But in that scene, it actually worked perfectly. Can we can we talk about the cheese? I feel like we've got we've gone into the sad moments. I just want to bring myself back up. But <laughs> right, was I the only one who burst? I had a full on fit of laughter at the bit where Freddie was like on the phone to his fiance, and she's going, "You are thinking about me, aren't you, Freddie?" And he's like looking at a man walking towards a door that says <laughs> "men." <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I was, like, on the floor laughing at it, but, yeah, I mean, there was really good bits of, like, uh, comedy in there, actually. Which, uh, but was that meant I, to be funny? Was that meant... I really got... Like, that could be a meme. Couldn't that be a meme? Like, having, like, a, like a moth on the phone looking at a, a door that says lamps and a lamp going in or something like that. It just looked like a friggin' meme, and I couldn't stop laughing at it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was meant in that way, to be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. But there was, there was good bit. Like, I actually, like, the one we mentioned before, the John Deacon um, get in the basement thing was actually quite a funny moment. Um, so there, there was there was sprinkle. I mean, it obviously isn't a comedy, but the way it was done, it was good humour. And obviously, alongside the good music and the sad bits, you know, you've got, you've got a pretty decent film there, I think. I mean, Eve got to talk about the film when the, the cockerel crowed. Do you remember the cockerel crowing randomly? Just like, went, and it went to Roger Taylor singing dead high-pitched. Eve was in hysterics at that because she just said, they just talk about the movie for like a good minute. Just... <laughs> it was a bit of a weird bit, wasn't it, really? Yeah, she said that. It was weird, but I loved all the humour. Like, there was a bit where she showed them, let's be experimental, let's mess about in the... Yeah. And, and you show them just, like, hitting random stuff. And it made me kind of realise how they wrote that music. They were, were just having, a, going, at, you know, let's do whatever the fuck we want in this studio. Let's just mess about. Yeah, especially when, like, uh, I liked the, the bit when, obviously, very, very much at the start, but when, like, he wasn't even in the band yet and he was, like, talking to him outside at the bus. And, like, yeah. effectively, like, you know, it was kind of like, I'll let you know my answer or whatever it was. I thought that was just perfect, like. Yeah, it was, I mean, ra- ra- going back to Rami Malek, I feel like we talked about Sasha Baron Cohen a bit too much there. Rami Malek totally killed it in, like, in every sense of the word. He, he, by the end of it, he, it was Freddie Mercury who was on that stage at Live Aid. And it was that performance, watching him do that, that genuinely, and I'm not afraid to admit this, and this is now going to be recorded forever, but I was I was moved to tears, mate. Yeah. I genuinely, I mean, I don't know about you, but I was genuinely crying. And maybe it's because of my little, like I said, this little thing I've always had about the band, yeah. and especially Freddie Mercury, that I don't know what just set me off, but I might as well have been like, you know, in the, watching, what, what's, a, what's a film people cry at? 12 Years a Slave. I might as well have been watching that. <laughs> a bit of a different thing like obviously but I, I mean I'm made of stone mate so it <laughs> moved me to tears but no I completely get like you know it had that like kind of emotion to it and you know I mean it what it was a proper like when when the credits start rolling you're just so pumped and so energized it's one of those like really inspirational like oh right I'm gonna go home and play my guitar and I even the other night I was just sat waiting for Red Dead Redemption to finally finish installing after five days. 
And <laughs> while I was waiting for it, I got my old keyboard out and learned the <laughs> Rhapsody, like the little intro bit. And I was booming. I'm telling you, mate, I'm booming over it. I was like, oh, my God. And obviously, that's the type of thing where you think that shows how good that film is to proper get. Like, that keyboard has been lost for probably about three or four years. I've not touched it. And there I am just, like, waiting for this game to load for, you know, when you get a spare moment kind of thing, trying to learn it off uh, YouTube and that. So... I, I loved it. I, I really did. Uh, I thought really good, strong, uh, you know, music biography film. And I'm trying to think of better music biography films. There's obviously more films that I prefer, but when you're talking about the music ones, sometimes the, the, they're not done as well as you would hope. And this one really was done as well as I hoped. Um, didn't you, haven't you seen, I mean, I haven't. So you tell me which of these were better. So, the Runaways, that was in 2010. Um, no, I'd say this is stronger than that. Uh, Get On Up, the James Brown. Oh, I did like that. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was good. I'd, I'd level par it with this one. Um, and, of course, one of the greatest of all time, Rockstar. Well, that's not a music biography <laughs> as such. That's just that's a not- musical film. Um, but the only ones off the top of my head that I can think, oh, I really like proper enjoyed that more are the weirder ones. So there was one I watched, um, I think it was about uh, Miles Davis that was like really like, it was just shot so weird. It was it was like proper, like shot like a jazz film. Do you get what I mean? Like, yeah. And then, you know, the Jim Morrison one, not the Ashton Kutcher one though. I uh, can't remember who plays. Oh, it's Val, Val Kilmer. It's my boy. Yeah, oh yeah, it's Val Kilmer. I love that one, but I don't, that could be just my bias for <laughs> my Val love again. <laughs> um, did you notice in the credits at the beginning, Mike Myers? No. Did you not see that? No, I didn't notice that. When well, I it's saw fun. that, and it said Mike Myers, and I thought. Where's Mike Myers in that film afterwards? So, you know, the manager, Ray Foster, the guy who's like, no, you're releasing... You'll never play Queen. That was him? Yeah. No way. That was Mike Myers? Groovy, baby. No way. Yeah. I'm not buying that. Are you being serious? I'm being serious. What? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking is as well. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, no, mate, I don't know. It's a, this, has been a, this has been a great day for you. You found Mike Myers was in Bohemian Rhapsody. Deacon's not dead. Deacon's back from the fucking dead. What <laughs> a good day. Oh, um, I mean, is there anything else you can think of? I mean, we touched yeah. on the, the music, the acting, the story. I mean, the only thing, if I had to say, the most awkward scene and a scene which I didn't think was either written brilliantly, or if that's actually how it went down, it needed to be dramatised more. But um, the, the scene where he goes back to visit his mum and dad with um, his new friend, uh, with uh, G- Jim Hutton, it just seems such a forced scene. Yeah, I, I mean, there was a few maybe dotted around in there somewhere where I think it was a bit like, oh, oh okay, 
didn't really need that bit, I guess. But I, I can only assume they were trying to get something back round to his family to round it off. Um, but what I thought was weird about that was the fact that you know, you'd always always imagine that he'd go, well, you know, come to Wembley and see me, and they're just sat on the, on the, you know, at home watching it on the telly, which I thought was a bit odd. But obviously, if that's what's happened, that what happened. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so I'll blow you a kiss, Mum. Well, where's my fucking ticket, Fred? Yeah. <laughs> the biggest concert the world's ever seen. But, yeah, I'll just watch it on the telly then, shall I? Oh. No, I, I mean, I, I'm, I've thought about this film every day, I think, since uh, since seeing it. And not because, obviously, in the run-ups was talking about it and I'm thinking about it. I've just caught myself thinking about it and... It, it's really it's it's kind of almost ruined some Queen songs for me because I begin to I begin to well up a little because they've now took on like a third meaning. First it was just a good song, then it was a good song from a youth. Now it's a good song from a youth that maybe Freddie wrote when he wasn't in the best of places, and mm. I, I, this has done a lot for me and a lot for that band. It's put them from going from being a band that I always considered high up on the ranks to really much higher. I might have to. Yeah. Yeah, like I might end up. I might, dude. I think I'm gonna get a queen tattoo or something. Like I just, I just feel so connected to them. How much you've gone, right, Sam? Well, that that's surely good for your rating then, Job. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm giving it. I'm giving it a nine. It's a nine for Job. I really like other than other than like the odd scene. I thought its imperfections kind of make it more charming that way and I like how it's dramatised and I think it's tasteful and it took me by surprise and I genuinely cannot wait for this to come out and be watched because me and Eve even said to each other the other day, God, we could just watch that film again. Yeah, I think that's the the best thing about it I think is it's like sometimes you watch these kind of films and you kind of go it was nice to watch but I wouldn't watch it again, but this this one is very rewatchable I think um, I would give it an eight personally. Um, I, I, I absolutely loved it. Like you know me, I'm quite strict with me ratings sometimes. Yeah. Like I thought it was a, a very, very solid eight, close to a nine. But I, as I say, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to have to like research a bit of this like timeline stuff. But it really did take me out when I was at the cinema, and it might just be because I didn't know the timeline as well as I thought I might have. So that's not its fault. That's my fault. But just for now, I'm giving it an eight anyway. All right. Well, there you go. I mean, I, I I'm, yeah. It was, it was, it was bloody good, and I cannot wait for uh, Rocket Man, which was advertised in the cinema before we went in. Yeah. The only thing with that, and I, you know, I mean, that one to me, just off the trailer, looks like they've gone the other way with the cheese. And I hope I'm wrong, but that looked a bit more like flashy, and I don't, I just don't know. I know Elton John was flashy and he was kind of cheesy, but like you know, the guy that's doing it is the guy that did Eddie the Eagle, um, the guy who plays him. I can't remember his name right. Taron Egg, Egg, Taron Egerton. That that's the fucker, yeah. Um, so and it's him and. You know, Eddie the Eagle was great. It was very cheesy, and I think that kind of suited that film. I just don't know whether I'd like that tone in an Elton John film. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a weird statement to have to say, isn't it? Like, I don't know if I want my Elton John films to have an Eddie the Eagle tone. (laughs) Well, you know, 
Elton himself has been doing some odd things lately. Like, obviously... Well, he was with Taryn Egerton in, um, in with, The Kingsman that, 2. Exactly, and that is making me fear the worst. It really is. But, and he's seen that uh, stickers advert as well as a rapper. Exactly. What the hell is going on? He's gone way overboard, cheese-wise. As yeah. well. and, uh, but no, you know, it's probably one I'll watch anyway, and I'm just hoping that the trailer is just looking more flashed than it will. And I think it hopefully will have a bit more depth to it than just like what the trailer looked like. The trailer looked like what? Don't leave me hanging. Cause I, said, I said with like the fact that it looked much more like flashy, not a lot of depth in it, and that I really wanted it to tell a story, just not just like you know, go all out, oh, we're just going to entertain you, is is like some flashy moments where, you know, he's doing the kick and stuff. And I thought, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Do you want Elton John to have, like, the DC treatment to be, like, dark and gritty? <laughs> no, definitely not the DC treatment. No one needs that. <laughs> uh, right. I think on that note, we'll end up there. Um so next time we should be doing this. We're going to try and do this a bit more often. We should be doing Halloween, hopefully nearer the. Uh, it is two days before Halloween. Not to uh, let you have too much of a peep behind the curtain as to what happens here, but in the next few days or so, we should see Halloween and then have our reviews on that. And I think that is going from shifting from one tone to another, wouldn't you say, Gary? Yeah, very much so. I, I have already seen Halloween, and uh, well, obviously I won't say anything about it, but yeah, get it watched, Job, and let's uh, discuss that. Okay, lovely stuff. Well, this has been a bit of a different one, but uh, I've been Jay. I've been Gaz. And we've been talking nerdy. Peace. Peace.